And the last part of our program is, of course, talking some quirky news stories about subjects like motoring and transport. Joining me once again on the line is Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Errol, you're beginning with an appalling pun. Well, David, we are occasionally accused of covering cheesy stories, uh, but here's one that's extra bitey. A truck carrying 20 tonnes of cheese blocks overturned on the Princess Highway on the New South Wales south coast. The tasty incident blocked traffic in both directions, but was not so gouda for the driver, who had to be swissed off to hospital to check on his blue veins. (laughs) Apparently there was debris everywhere, but rather than leaving it for the local mice to enjoy, the fresh dairy mess had to be dumped into a truck and weighed for insurance purposes. (laughs) That's a year's worth of puns right there. <laughs> yes, I'm just, I'm just getting them out of the way now so I can move on. <laughs> I always thought Feta was a small Italian city car with two cylinders. <laughs> I wonder if they needed to use a road grater to, um, to clear it away. In Spain, there's a, a cheese called the Majorio. I always thought that's a big four-wheel drive, isn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. The Majorio. In the US, they have Cougar Gold which sounds like a women's sports car to me. Americas make cheese like they make cars, bland, mass-produced, and unusual colours. <laughs> yes, a, br- a bright yellow that doesn't exist in nature. It doesn't, yes, that's right. <laughs> There's that appalling joke from QI where how do you encourage a bear to come to you? What do you say to it? And the answer is come and bear. Come and bear. All right, enough of that, gentlemen. As you say, Brian, I think that might be enough puns to last us for quite a deal of time. Brian, there's a, a, a transport planning issue that I really want to get into here. And Errol, your thoughts on that would be appreciated as well. Thailand has, of course, the tuk-tuk. Indonesia has the bakat. Vietnam, I think it's called the cyclo. But, of course, in India and Bangladesh, they have the famous rickshaw. Now, the rickshaw was invented in the 1860s in Japan. But has it ever come into the 21st century? Not really. Well, now the Asian Development Bank hopes to haul these paratransit vehicles into the modern age. They're going to build one, which is a very modern-looking device. Gentlemen, you've uh, seen pictures of it. Do you think it has some potential? Yeah, David, I find it quite intriguing. The greatest um, uh, sort of advances here are its um, structural weight. So... Um, it- you know, cars and bicycles and, and, you know, a rickshaw in a sense, a blend in many ways of a car and a motorbike and a bicycle and a motorbike. In many ways, um, cars and bikes have, have both sort of a, a benefited from advances in um, new materials. So to get very light, very strong structures and it doesn't seem to have passed on to the rickshaw. So so this new sort of Asian Development Bank version is um, is using some of those more modern materials to really reduce the weight. Uh, which should make it a whole lot more efficient. Now, it's really important that forms of transport like this are still available, still effective uh, in Asian cities particularly. Ho Chi Minh City has decided that uh, they wanted to to uh, get rid of motorbikes and, and um, you know, move to more cars, and they're suffering incredible traffic congestion because of it. 
because the the space that the cars take up. So yeah, I think it's fantastic to see, and it's uh, it's long overdue. It's like a little half moon shaped uh, roof line over it. Mm. A person sits in the back and actually has a digital screen in front of them. It's an electric powered, I think. But uh, is there a possibility that you could pedal it a bit and make it uh, go better? You know, add to the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, yeah they've they've be. designed it to be um, sort of either way. So there's a there's a pedal only version, or there's sort of an electric assisted one. And uh, we, t- we often talk about efficiency when it comes to engines, but they're, t- they're t- actually talking about efficiency for the rider. If his vehicle's lighter, it means he can, you know, do more kilometres and carry more, more passengers yeah. or cargo and, and get from A to B quicker and make a bit more money. So it's, it's a win-win all around. A perfect uh, application for, you know, sort of electric bike technology, isn't it? Now, the issue we've talked about is the p- potential revolution in local trips, where you can do short trips. Now, we've talked about you can get scooters, you can get monocycle sorts of things that are like a Segway, but only just uh, two wheels on the ground and a platform. Uh, but this one actually has a roof over it, and it's got no sides on it, yet you could have sides on it. You could just roll them down, couldn't you? Yeah, roll them down. You could protect from the rain. Yes, you could, yes. Yeah, it's all those little, those little, bit, little luxuries that they're adding. But it's still a very simple design. And yet it sort of uh, has a sci-fi futuristic look to it. I did, th- I did notice they had an interesting design issue. Of course, the rider is sort of has to be up high so he can pedal, but the passenger is seated lower to the ground. And they realised that um, most passengers wound up looking at basically the bum crack of the rider. <laughs> um, so uh, they it's had to put a screen, a, screen, a screen in the way. Um, although it does does seem like a convenient excuse to shove advertising in someone's face. Yes. They call it the plumber's screen. <laughs> yes. the, plumber's screen. <laughs> the other thing is, if it's electric power, and might we ultimately get to them where, where they're autonomous. And so I will be able to call one up or come to I think I'll ride it to the bus stop and then leave it to go somewhere else. So I'll add my energy to it. So it's it's a good uh, renewable energy sort of well, uh, certainly energy efficient device. It also gets me there. It's got a covering on it, so I can still use it if it rains. And maybe then it could then go off and find someone else. Mm. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yes, the, the only issue is David is that you, you you plug your phone into the convenient charger in the back, but it actually drains your phone to run the bike. <laughs> That's a good idea. I want to talk about this local trip just a little further. Volvo have got what they call their RAW robot-based autonomous refuge handling project. Not quite raw, but that, that that's pretty good. Now, the, the pr- principle of this is, Brian, you know, when designing uh, uh, local um, housing areas, quite often you have to leave quite a space to get things in like garbage trucks. Mm, they tend to drive the design in, in many places. Now, of course, you've still got to get delivery vans as well. I, I understand that. But a big garbage truck and loading it, what a Volvo have developed is this small device that uh, can go around, can find a bin that needs emptying and maybe transport it back to a more central area and empty it off. And so we might well be able to have local communities that are not as dominated by as wider roads because we have not only small autonomous cars, but small autonomous vehicles like a refuge collector or even a delivery van, which 
if it's autonomous, then you don't have to design it to do 150 kilometres an hour to have all the road safety to protect the driver because it doesn't have a driver, and it might just be able to deliver parcels to you. Yeah, yeah as long hmm. as they don't fly. I don't want to have flying garbage cans going around <laughs> my area. As long as it's on the road, I'm, I'm happy. The way it reads, David, is it's basically they basically want to replace that little teenager that's often hanging off the back of the garbage truck, the one that actually goes and gets the bins that the automatic arm won't reach. Seems to be what they want to trying to do. That's right. As long as it's a, a, a sort of robot that can sort of hurl your bin lid across the road and <laughs> put it back upside down. The good thing is it doesn't demand a case of beer at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a can of oil. That might be the thing that you have to do for it. Or a fresh battery. And you're denying second and third grade rugby league players a job, really, aren't you? Wasn't it? <laughs> That's true. That's true, David. I'm interested in why they're not thinking of actually fueling the devices using the refuse. Ah. There's an idea. We'll call that the overdrive solution. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is very clever is that you might well be able to have garbage bins that know when they're full. Oh, yes. The Internet of Things, David, is going to solve all that. So conceivably, yes, you can have a, a garbage bin that, that talks to the rest of you, the rest of the devices, calls out, I'm full, I need to be changed. You may not need to have a general garbage collection day. You might have, uh, you know, a, a bin that then puts itself out, basically. It'll be user pays. It'll be a toll for each one of them. <laughs> of course. Now, Brian, you have a story. Certainly. Um, the UK's National um, Motor Museum has a, a display called Driving Change. And one of the, the sort of headlines for the, the display is the crash test dummy. Those sort of test dummies that are placed in uh, cars where they undergo crash testing. They smash them into walls and other vehicles and observe and film what happens to the dummy who represents the passengers. So Baileyu is, um, is asking people to name the crash test dummy. So here's a fantastic opportunity for more puns, of course. Um, and uh, some of the suggestions have, uh, have ranged from Sid, uh, which is uh, side impact dummy, and Krabby, uh, something to do with um, uh, child seat. Uh, testing a few sort of more classical words like Hermes and Fragor, which is, uh, of course, uh, Fragor is the Latin word for crash. Of course, David, you'd know this. Uh, other suggestions: Buster, Victor, uh, Victor standing for very important crash training on roads. Natmo, uh, safely, Barney Bash. There's look, there's a lot of them, and uh, you can enter the name the dummy competition uh, via the website actually. Send your chosen dummy name together with your name, age, and contact details, and you may win something. So this is uh, the UK's um, National Motor Museum. It's balio.co.uk. So uh, got any names come to mind, Dave? Well, you missed the Onica. Oh, no, I crashed again, which was uh, uh, perhaps might be appropriate. I love the idea of a museum that covers actual development and the history of crash testing and road safety in general. Mm. Uh, I think quite often road safety is pushed as a heavy-handed, oh, you idiot, do the right thing, uh, when in reality it's one of the facts of life, but if it's made interesting and here with a little bit of humour... It involves people much more. Yeah. Mm. I, I like I like Buster, which which they they thought stood for built up safe trip every ride, but I actually think it's a MythBusters reference because that's the the name of the uh, of their sort of dummy that they drop out of oh is hel it? Hel helicopters and 
set on fire in in that show. Mythbusters, which is going off air soon, and, and, and scientists have written saying what a, a tragedy that is because it made science interesting and made things that affected us relevant and more understanding. And I think to some degree... Uh, it's not a full road safety museum. It's about a whole pile of things to do with cars. This is a good idea. One of the things it does to car, it talked about the Austin A40 Countryman as the first modern hatchback. I've seen an old A40 and the word hatchback doesn't really come to mind. <laughs> the other thing is on their website, they've got sort of history of design and they've got a drawing in the background of a Hillman Imp. One of my great cars that I, I've owned over the period. David, um, looking at the picture of the of this crash test dummy that they have on their website, uh, looking into his eyes, and I think he, he needs more than a name. He needs a, a support group because he looks he looks like he's seen some things and he's got that sort of thousand-yard Vietnam stare. Um, so I'm, I'm actually concerned for his mental health, really. Without making joke, but post-traumatic stress. Yeah, he's yeah. had many a trauma. Oh, if he if his um, if mental state gets worse, he he may become the next Palmer United Party repre- uh, representative. <laughs> he could run for office in the American election. Yes, <laughs> fit right in. <laughs> but I think they've already, they've already got a dummy, David. He's doing quite well. <laughs> Well, talking about uh, Donald Trump, uh, let's uh, take on this other story. Errol, you you can talk to us about comics and things. Yes, well, uh, speaking of superheroes, David, and, and well, maybe maybe Trump's more of a more like the Joker. I don't know, but uh, cartoon cartoon character at yes. least. Yes, yeah, well, Jeep, Jeep's announced that they are the exclusive car partner of the upcoming superhero movie Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. And to coincide with the movie release, Jeep has made an online experience where fans can get a sneak peek at the movie and choose sides in the battle against evil. It's basically a gigantic ad they force you to sit through. Apparently, Jeep's renegade model is driven by the Bruce Wayne character during some key scenes in the movie. But don't expect the Batmobile to be wearing a Jeep badge just yet. It'll fall off, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) A dawn of justice is a, a, a. It sounds to me like a Donald, Donald Trump Cadillac, really, doesn't it? He <laughs> he tried to do a deal with Cadillacs, I believe, and uh, make at least fifty, especially to his order. Took two on spec and never came back with any of the orders for the others. <laughs> but uh, but now this movie, Batman versus Superman, fearing the actions of Superman are left unchecked, Batman takes on Superman while the world wrestles with what kind of a hero he it really needs. What's gone wrong here? We've got two goodies fighting each other. Now, Errol, you said that the Jeep is going with Batman. Is Batman the goodie now and Superman the baddie? It's, it sounds all a little bit like World Championship Wrestling, doesn't it? Yes, well, it's, it's the battle of the egos, David, really. Oh, it could be the presidential election. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We're back to that. I just don't. I don't. I don't know what the message is there. It's confusing, that's for sure. And 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 given that neither of the characters actually needs a jeep, right? The Batman has mm. the Batmobile, and Superman can fly. I think it's the most incredibly contrived um, idea that, that the movie has an official car partner, isn't it? Just a yes, basically yes. a ridiculous statement. It's it's still not quite as confusing as Holden's Star Wars movie tie-in. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Which made no sense whatsoever. Um, 
but uh, and and also the the Renegade, which is a compact SUV, which they're touting in the movie. It's the least off-road capable vehicle Jeeps ever made. Only soft only one. Of, they're just turning into yeah, soft it's a, it's a soft road. And only one of the models in the range has four-wheel drive. Uh, it doesn't even have low range. But it's showcasing it, Errol. It's showcasing yes, off-road yes. capabilities. It's a 2.4-litre, four-cylinder Tiger Shark engine. Nine-speed automatic gearbox, which sounds rather good. But again, who, who's the goody there? For, apparently in the movie, there's also Wonder Woman and Aquaman. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Jason Momoa is uh, Aquaman, and Gail Gadot is the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman famously flies in an invisible plane, yes. she? so she needs something with a lot of, uh, well, at least a drop top. Um, <laughs> what I noticed here, David, that um, that Jeep is saying that the movie aligns with their brand values of enabling people to go anywhere and do anything. I just wonder whether it aligns with the values of hiding your identity. <laughs> You don't want to be seen <laughs> in the Jeep Renegade, maybe. Right. So, so if, if you own one, you, you want to sort of drive into a hidden garage <laughs> that nobody knows exists. And you'd get out and somebody goes, Who's, who was, where did Batman go? <laughs> <laughs> the other problem is you'd miss the garage because someone had hacked your car. <laughs> <laughs> I say bring back the Penguin. I think they don't need to fight amongst themselves. You know, the Riddler and the Penguin, the good 1960s sort of superhero action the whole comic sort of thing what pal biff mad maybe that would be the comic version that a car company might do the other thing is movies brian I always love your line that uh, land rover sponsored lara croft uh, do you remember your comment about that movie that uh, it was symbolic of a four-wheel drive i don't recall david top heavy and likely to roll over I'm sure I wouldn't have said anything as crass as that. Maybe you could sponsor the Rocky movies. You know, would would that be good? I, I've tried to look up movies about pollution so that Volkswagen could sponsor them. <laughs> <laughs> most pollution movies are about viruses or nuclear waste. But David, most movie trailers sort of over promise, and then what you actually get is sort of under delivered. So it's appropriate, really, <laughs> Volkswagen. <laughs> well, of course, we know Spotlight made the Oscar this year for Best Pictures, which, of course, is doing the right thing in the face of evil desires. Uh, well, I guess that's true of many car companies, isn't <laughs> it? The true. evil desire that's ru ruining the planet. That's true. There's a great struggle between good and evil, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm now on board with the idea of a car partner for all these movies, disaster films, so, you know, superhero films. <laughs> go, go further. Carol, unusual, perhaps forbidden love. Exotic cars that are not the, and I quote, uh, put, in, put in quotes, normal and that. Herbie uh, the love perhaps. bug, I'm thinking immediately of. <laughs> the love bug. <laughs> <laughs> what was the love part? I never remember. <laughs> Just. <laughs> it was the desire for the car, wasn't it, which... I think we've done stories about people. That, it was the, the romantic comedy of, of cars. Yeah. The Lego movie, maybe they could do that. Uh, the, or possibly The Revenant, which is about Western adventures of survival, maybe a four-wheel drive. And you want something with leather seats, furry leather seats. So every time you get in, it's like being attacked by the bear. The seat warmer is getting into the carcass. <laughs> 
Uh, gentlemen, uh, enough of this. Thank you once again for your time. Bye, David. That's Errol Smith and Brian Smith. And we were talking some unusual stories to do with motoring and transport.